the vital way. Where ancient wisdom meets the cutting edge to optimize your vitality and performance. There are no right ways, just better ways. Welcome to the vital way. I'm Logan Christopher here with my brother Cloud. And today we're going to be going over some listener Q&A for people that have their own questions. You can always ask them on our website. We have a special page for that set up. That's at supermanherbs.com slash questions. Just go there, submit your questions, and, you know, if they're good enough, we'll bring them on this show. So today, uh, it's not really on any specific topic. We're covering a lot of the random questions that we have going on uh, all over the place, since there's quite a few of those. Yes, sir. All right. Okay. Well, let's just dive straight in. Well, first one I got is how do you guys get your daily requirements of vitamins and minerals? Mm. (laughs) Good question. So a lot of people have kind of come from sort of the paradigm you need to take a multivitamin and mineral supplement. Uh, Just that is what's going to ensure that you have your required minerals and vitamins. Uh, The sad fact is it's kind of hard to get it from food, at least average food these days, because Poor soil quality means poor plants, which means animals that eat those plants. Everything just doesn't have enough minerals and vitamins in that. You know, if you're very careful with your diet, you're much more likely to be able to get more of that sort of minimum recommended amount. But to even have optimal amounts, that sometimes does take supplementation. Uh, that all being said, I, I haven't personally taken a multivitamin or mineral supplement in, I don't know, years. What about you, Claude? I take herbs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's one of the things about the herbs. Uh, not only do they have a lot of novel compounds and what they can do, but they are really loaded with different vitamins and minerals. So by taking the herbs, you're getting more than just those novel compounds. You get all the support. I mean, Clef came up with the name for pine pollen of nature's multivitamin because it literally has over 200 vitamins, minerals, and other sort of compounds in there that help to support your health. Now, you know, if there's a certain thing, like you're just looking for one certain mineral, you know, do all these herbs necessarily have it? You're going to have to pick and choose. And that can be great if you have, like, a really good quality multivitamin mineral supplement, which unfortunately most of them are out there are not, <laughs> then sure, that can give you all that support. But, you know, if you're taking a whole bunch of different herbs and eat generally pretty well, then, you know, short of getting some testing done to see, any gaps you may have, I think you're going to be pretty well off with that. Uh, even with those multivitamins and minerals, supplements, you know, if things aren't in the right ratio, it can actually be worse for you than better. So that's kind of all the trickiness that goes into that question. All right, moving on. Are any of your herbs organic? A couple of them are. Uh, the ones from that we source in the U.S., which includes the mushrooms. Those are all grown and certified organic. Uh, the shizandra, I believe that's organic as well. Is that correct, Vlad? Yes, the shizandra grown in the U.S. is also organic. Yeah. So everything right now, for, no, the not the cricket is not organic. Is that? <laughs> no, the cricket remember. right now, as of right now, it doesn't have the certification, but we know that through their 
farming and growing process, if they feed them chemicals, even um, let's say high quality chicken feed that's not supposed to have stuff, they still die. So they're so sensitive to it, you might as well, they might as well be organic. They right. just don't have the certification. Right. So that's the thing about organic is it, it takes some money and it takes some probably a whole lot of paperwork and everything. That's something we're dealing mm-hmm. with on some other mm-hmm. issues that is not really fun. But uh, just to have this like a certified uh, organic and, you know, different areas, there's a couple of different companies involved in that. But that doesn't necessarily even mean it's the best quality thing out there. Like if we take Shilajit as an example, right? I mean, this is wild craft. This only comes from the mountains. You can't grow it. Uh, it, it wouldn't pass, I don't think, organic qualities just because it, it's coming from the wild. I don't know even the details that go into that. So uh, many of our different herbs that come from wild places, you know, would it pass organic standards if that was done, if people paid for that to happen? In many cases, I believe the answer is yes, but not necessarily everything. So once again, if you're, you know, you're only going for organic, then, yeah, pick up our mushrooms or the shizandra. Uh But if something not being labeled organic is going to scare you off, then, you know, sorry, not all of our herbs are organic at this point. Um, I have seen other shilajit resins available that say they're organic, which I find funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a... I mean, it's good to have organic stuff, definitely, <laughs> but, yeah, there are some issues with that as well. Yes. All right, moving on. Would you go into more detail about the health benefits of schizandra, Pod- positive effects it might have on aging as well? All right. Schizandra is a really cool one. It's a pretty unique herb. Um, it's called the five-flavor fruit because it has all five flavors in that. And that's important in Chinese medicine because each one of the flavors corresponds to one of the elements, also known as the seasons, the rhythms. And each of these elements has uh, a few different meridians associated with it. So schizandra is really interesting in that it's, it's said to enter all 12 meridians of the body, all the major meridians there. So it's really working on a whole lot. If we look at schizandra, it's, it's kind of more of a question of what doesn't it do. So some of the top benefits in my mind, it's adaptogenic. It's definitely going into your body and helping your body to be able to adapt better to stress. I, I like to think of schizandra maybe a little bit less of the physically adaptogenic herb, like if we compare that to, say, eulothero or cordyceps, which are great uh, adaptogens. But with schizandra, I, I think it's a little more of that mental side of the adaptogen. And I really like schizandra for that benefit as well. It's, it's mental clarity. Uh, it, it's a great herb that I like to travel with because you just take a little bit and it can help brighten up your day. Uh, one of the other major benefits of it is it's great for the liver. Uh, although it has those five tastes, its predominant taste is sour. Sour corresponds to the wood element, which corresponds to the liver. And schizandra is pretty unique among different foods in that it supports both phase one and phase two of liver detox, which basically means uh, the processes of the liver of detoxing various pollutants, estrogens, all kinds of things like that, and then being able to remove them from the body. So there's a far wide range of benefits. And really, the more I'm looking at hormones and everything, the 
role of the liver in hormone health becomes more apparent because uh, your body needs to be able to deal with all these pollutants and like I said, the excess estrogen that's getting moved out through the liver. So if your liver is healthy and happy, your body's going to be able to detox well on a daily basis, and it's going to be able to support your health much better. And I'm sure there's many other uh, benefits that aren't coming to the top of my mind, but as far as some of the main some of the main things. Well, I would just say for aging-wise, probably the anti-neuroinflammatory stuff, mm-hmm. the high uh, antioxidant content, and keeping you young, you know, there's that whole saying, you take Shazandra tincture for 100 days, and it'll change your skin, right, in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one of the things, it's sometimes labeled a taste, but it's a little bit more of an action, is called the astringent, um, so it's kind of like sour, but it's that uh, sort of tightening when you take it in your mouth, like it sort of pulls moisture out. Um, it's doing this action within the body and it's also good for doing that on the skin as well. So it's tonifying tissues, including the skin. So yeah, Shizandra is one of the uh, top beauty herbs in Chinese medicine. I'd say that along with pearl powder used topically in order to support youthful skin. So, you know, if you're taking it, this is a great herb to take on the outside as well as take inside. All right, next question. What is a great herb or combo for taking before workday? I'm, I'm in construction. I am currently taking your Megadose. Should I add any other for maximum efficiency? I also currently kicking my diabetes out of my system right now. I am taking pine pollen, tincture, polyrhachis, and nettle root. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the pine pollen is definitely a good place to start. As far as supporting sort of a heavy workload with construction, uh, I would go to the adaptogenic herbs. And for this, I'd recommend definitely our Spartan formula. So that has the schizandra that we just talked about, as well as rhodiola, cordyceps, and ulacero. And these are some of the major adaptogens out there that have been actually quite well researched, more so in the east, in Russia, uh, when they're working with their athletes as well as people that were just trying to increase work capacity, but just phenomenal results with being able to do that because it works on that, that physical level of the physical stress and fatigue and work capacity as well as that mental level, so it can really support that. And that's that that would be my number one go-to as far as helping with something like construction. And, of course, along the ways that should help support Uh, other issues as well because, once again, these are adaptogens. They basically just help your body adapt better, so uh, they can definitely have a role with the blood sugar there as well and diabetes. Yeah, I was going to say if he's already taking palm pollen and ant, he might want to try Phoenix formula. Yeah, Uh, that's a good one too. And or with what he's got, just maybe add Tomcat and watch what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Lots of different ways you could go, and those all have yeah. some different benefits. And so here's the thing: just try out a few things, find what works well for you. I assume this guy's already enjoying the pine pollen and the results he's getting with that. So yeah, just add one thing on top of that, and then go from yeah. there. Okay. As far as other supplements are concerned, specifically protein, 
Do you guys take protein supplements? And if so, what? I take egg protein, but whatever. But everywhere seems to advocate whey. Whey. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about the benefits of whey protein. Um, it can be really good stuff. Uh, this is another thing where the vast majority, like 95% or more of the whey proteins out there, are very low quality. Once again, go back to where does this the food source come from. So if you're getting whey protein, that should hopefully be coming from healthy cows that are eating grass and all of that. Uh, so my favorite, what I've used over the years, is a whey protein concentrate. Uh, there's a couple different companies like Vital Whey, spelled, hey, that's kind of the name of our podcast, Vital Whey, but it's W-H-E-Y. Uh, I believe that's a pretty good one out there. So uh, these whey protein concentrates have all the different factors with the uh, protein. Uh, one thing that's great about whey protein that doesn't seem to be the case with other protein powders is that it really supports glutathione, which is sort of the master antioxidant in your body that's produced by the liver, and whey protein is able to trigger your body to increase more of this, as well as support the immune system with uh, some different factors in there and everything. So that's why a lot of people like whey protein. Once again, you got to have really good quality stuff. And I've heard a couple things. Some people like uh, a whey protein isolate. Uh, for some people, I guess that does seem to work a little bit better. Uh, once again, experiment, find what works for you. For me, I prefer to go with the more whole thing, which would be the concentrate, getting that from grass-fed cows. That being said, you definitely can use these other options. Egg protein, once again, should come from good quality eggs. But here's the thing about eggs. Really, the protein is not the important part. The yolk is the, the most important part. That's where you're getting so many vitamins, minerals, vitamin K2, all kinds of different stuff that can be in those yolks, especially if they come from pastured eggs which is going to be uh, have much richer and higher amounts of these different micronutrients. So, yeah, you can use an egg protein, but why not just eat eggs? It's probably even cheaper to do that, plus you get all the other stuff. Um, then as far as uh, vegetarian protein powders, you know, with these protein powders, anything you use too often uh, with proteins, for some reason the body can develop an allergy to it. So I, I would recommend rotating protein powders that you're using over time. And really, you know, unless your goal is to uh, put on tons of muscle mass, you probably don't need as much protein as many people are saying out there. That being said, a lot of people probably aren't really eating enough protein, so there can be a good way to supplement it in there. Um, what I've been doing lately with some of the shakes myself is one I have our cricket protein, and then I'm actually using a goat whey protein on top of that, and I like that mix of those together. What about you, Cloud? I like bacon. Bacon? For my yeah, for my person. <laughs> I was just curious: is that goat protein? Is that one an isolate or a concentrate? It's a concentrate. Cool. Yeah, you know me. I prefer food sources. Um, bacon. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. It's, we we should bacon. probably work on a bacon protein. That would probably sell real well. <laughs> a complete bacon protein. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, does reishi and shaga can be two relaxing herbs and give a sense of drowsiness? Hmm. Well, we've said this one time before, and we'll say it again. Uh, 
everyone's different, so it is possible with you that you could have this. Um, one, I'd look at how big of a dose. With some of the herbs, if you take a large dose especially, uh, then you may feel something quite a bit more than a smaller dose. Um, here's the thing with Rishi and Chaga. I mean, in many ways, these are sort of adaptogenic. So uh, if your body really needs sleep and you take something like these, then it can be helping to encourage that for happening. That being said, I wouldn't say this is a normal sort of response from taking these herbs, even if you took a larger amount to feel like you need to go to sleep. So I don't know, maybe look at what else you're taking them with. Uh, there could be a couple of other factors here as well. Um, if you want to provide us some more details, we could probably look a little deeper into this for the person that asked this question. Um, Dosage is a huge question. Um, what I'm curious about is their like definition of drowsiness. When I first started taking shaga with vein and we were doing raw shaga teas, um, mm -hmm. We would, I don't know, we used to drink the tea out on hikes, and it would make us feel all connected with nature, kind of, you know, just, oh, I feel really good, you know. Mm -hmm. Someone might interpret that um, if they were taking a large dose. Also, I don't know, maybe Rishi, if you take a large enough dose, you know, help them with your shen and all, and you can all yeah. calm I mean, they, right. I can't. I'd say they could be more relaxing. relaxing than necessarily sedative, like some other herbs. Like a valerian root is a pretty uh, classic example. It's a really strong one that can be great for sleep, but for many people, myself included, it's too strong. Like this, this herbal <laughs> pretty much knock me out. It'll keep me drowsy for a while. So I'll sleep real well, but I won't be getting up real well the next day if I take that one. So. Rishi and Chaga shouldn't really have this sort of effect, um, but that sort of relaxing effect, I would definitely say that that's there with them. And, and for all you that asked about sleeping herbs, um, Logan just gave you one answer. Yeah. Well, I guess let's just go into that a bit more. <laughs> Why not? Okay. Uh, so okay, I have a couple questions. You had a few questions. Yeah. yeah, go ahead and ask one of those. I was just going to say I had a three questions and they all pretty much pertain to sleep uh what kind of herb would help uh but yeah deeper sleep two of them said deeper sleep right so like i said the valerian root that's one that like i said it can be quite strong but for some people that'll be really good i like if i want to support my sleep like i, I sleep really well just based on all the other things i do and you know mm -hmm. what seems natural for me i have no problem sleeping but sort of supporting that relaxing and being able to go into sleep. There are a couple herbs I like for that. One is passion flower. And uh, actually this and the next herb, chamomile, that I'm going to talk about, both of these, they have a side benefit that they're natural aromatase inhibitors. So they're good for blocking the conversion of testosterone into estrogen. They have a couple different compounds in them that do that. But they're great for sleep. So... Uh, or relaxing the body. So passion flower is one, and they'll just make a tea out of that, or chamomile, and that one's uh, pretty easily found in many places. You just get that, steep some of the flowers in tea, and then drink that. It tastes pretty good, and those can be great. They're much more mild in their sleeping effects, uh, but for someone like me, I like those, whereas something stronger like, like valerian would be more supportive of that. 
Then there's also one that we've played around with. We haven't made this publicly available, but this assists. And uh, maybe you can talk a bit more about that one, Claude, because I know you've talked to some people that have tried that and had great results. Yeah, so it's called Zizifus, uh I believe, uh, Z-I-Z-I-P-H-U-S, if you want to look it up. Um, yes, it is definitely supposed to help with sleep. Um, the thing about this is it doesn't help you go to sleep. It gives you more restful sleep. Um, so my experience, my best experience was going to bed at about midnight or a little later and waking up at five and I, you know, jumped out of bed. I felt like I slept eight, ten hours, you know. Um, I do have other people that ask for it all the time. They love this herb. Um, what seems to happen to me is it um, either works really well for some people or it doesn't work at all. Um, just like any other herb. Um, we've had some people that haven't slept in that whole night in 15 years, I think, we were told, and they took it, and they were very grateful because they got their first full night's sleep in 15 years. So, like I said, some people love it, some it doesn't work. So, And I had it, it worked for a little while, really good, and then kind of stopped working. So, And that's kind of why we never released it because... I don't know. It seems hit or miss sometimes. Yeah. Well, once again, it depends but, on the person. You know, we'll find what works for you. And there there are quite a few other herbs out there as well. Another one came to well, mind. You know, Old Cap is a You know what I like herb. to do with the ones we do offer mostly? Um, I like to take ones that kind of relax or just, you know, slow my mind down kind of. Like, I like taking ashwagandha at night, maybe some lacuna. Um, and I was just thinking about a, maybe taking a little ant would help. I don't know why, but yeah. I think you yeah. yeah. So we, we've definitely, with you. Superman herbs, we tend to have a little bit more of the stimulating type of things, especially with the formulas and whatnot we put together. But, yeah, some of them can have that effect. Ashwagandha is an interesting one. A lot of people do feel relaxation from that, but uh, some people, a smaller percentage, will feel more stimulated from that. So that'd be one to experiment with and find what works for you. Yeah. Okay. Next we have, does taking herbs in long term cause damage to liver or kidney? Uh, <laughs> depends on the herb. Uh, some could certainly do that. There, with the herbs, there's a couple different classes of herbs. Most of the stuff we offer at Superman Herbs would be more of that superior class, meaning stuff you can take long term. Uh, like with reishi, you know, it's a, extremely gentle. You know, children can take it, babies could even take it, uh, and older people can take it, and you can literally take it every day in your life and it will not be a bad thing. It's just going to support everything. Um, some of the stronger herbs, like Tonkat Ali, that's a bit more medicinal in its quality. Uh, and with medicine, the difference between a medicine and a poison is in dose. Uh, that was said by, I believe, Hippocrates a long time ago, and I'm paraphrasing, of course. But it's it's very important that you look at that. So that's one of the reasons we recommend cycling with that. It can be too strong. And, of course, you have that hormonal aspect to it. So you need to uh, make sure your body doesn't stop its own 
uh, production of the hormones and all that. So different qualities of herbs will have some different uh, aspects to them. So if you have, you know, like an acute sickness and you take some herbs for that, that can be great for that time period, but you wouldn't necessarily want to continue taking those long term. So it really depends on the herb. Now, for some reason, people seem to have this sort of irrational fear, like <laughs> we're, we're taught and encouraged all to take medications and everything, which are literally poisons, and yet we're on these things. Uh, they're designed to be long term, so you keep buying them and keep lining the pockets of the pharmaceutical companies. Uh, <laughs> yet these things, because they're so concentrated of a single thing and uh, have all these side effects like your your liver and kidneys, they are processing these as toxins. So these are going to have much worse effects, whereas you get the right kind of herbs, they're going to support the kidneys, they're going to support the liver. So we talked about schizandra for the liver. If you want to go more specific liver health, you go with something like milk thistles, a classic one. Uh, if you want to support the kidneys or that jing energy type thing, hoshu wu is great. Uh, as far as more of the detoxing ability of the kidneys, you go for some more diuretic type things like nettle leaves would be a good option for that. So it uh, really depends on what chillages in general, detox, everything, good for everything. <laughs> yes. So are these going to damage? It really depends on the herb you're taking, but with our stuff, I would say no, not really. To me, it always comes back to these things are more like food. So is food that you eat every day going to damage your liver or kidney? Well, <laughs> the average food out like there, you, yes. <laughs> well, that's, I guess you could, and in different words, you could say, well, it depends on the class of food you eat. Yeah. Right? So. Mm -hmm. And, of course, okay. you know, anything could be overdone to the point if you took, like, uh, massive doses of things, then, yeah, it could uh, impair your liver or kidneys, at least for a time, you know. And if you kept doing this long-term, it would. But you're taking, like, recommended dosage or somewhere along those lines and doing it long-term with these superior class of herbs, no, it's, it's not going to be a problem. All right, moving on. I was wondering what your take on greens, greens supplements is and if there are certain ones you recommend uh, green supplements is something I've definitely played around with over the years um, some of the companies I did like in the past and well I still like I just haven't really been on the green uh, supplement thing recently but health force nutritionals their vitamineral green is a really good product uh, Sun warrior their Ormus greens I believe it's called that, that one's really good, and that one actually tastes good, unlike the Health Force Nutritionals. Um, so the idea with these greens is, once again, it's a supplement. Um, that I'm Here is something where I want to go more in the realm of going straight for food. So instead of getting all these powdered grasses or grass juices, which I should be if it's a good quality supplement, uh, although they have all kinds of other things added into them, you know, just eat your vegetables and eat a lot of vegetables. Uh, you're, you're getting a lot of greens right there. So uh, it can be a good quality supplement, and certainly mixing greens with some of our herbs like pine pollen, a lot of people do that. Great way to go. Definitely can be a good thing. Um, it's just not something I have personally been using the past year or two. So, so if you're not eating, you know, very few people actually eat as many vegetables as most people ought to eat. 
you know, unless you're an Eskimo, in general, eating lots of vegetables is really good. And I'm talking about green leafy vegetables. Of course, there are many ways you can do these, but uh, it's it's really important. If you do that, everything else seems to work better. I mean, one, they're high in fiber, so that's an important part of detoxing, being able to pull stuff out. Uh, the richness and chlorophyll is very important as far as detox and supporting everything. So if you're not eating as many as you ought to, and few people are, then something like a green supplement may be a really good idea for you. Okay, next question. I have two issues. One is I have enlarged prostate, and I would like to get better results from my workout and lose weight. I lost 40 pounds, but have been stuck at 250 for two months and want to lose another 30. Okay. Well, it's hard to say specifically what this guy needs to do without knowing some more details. Uh, One, let's talk about the prostate first. Um, Mm -hmm. The number one herb for the prostate is pretty much metal root. I definitely would look into that, although it's a little more specific for some other issues. Uh, But, yeah, the benign prostate hyperplasia, that generally that's one of the big things it's for. So definitely look into uh, using that. Uh, in the future, we will have an article probably more in-depth on prostate issues on Superman herbs just because there are a lot of questions about that. So on to losing weight. It's it's really a matter about moving more, <laughs> uh, just to give some broad strokes. So not not necessarily just looking at your workout. You know, once again, without seeing what this guy's specifically doing, it's kind of hard for me to give any sort of specific advice, but... Uh, with workouts, right, I mean, people are treating these or they're used kind of as a supplemental form. Oh, I sit on my ass all day long, uh, but I'm going to go to the gym and work out for one hour. So it's kind of like taking a multivitamin or mineral supplement because you're supplementing it. The natural form of exercise will be some sort of movement and natural forms of movement all day long. Like if you look back to indigenous people, I mean, they're they're putting in the time moving around, doing all kinds of different things. That's a much more natural form of exercise. And, that, you know, all these people kind of laugh to exercise because really, once again, we're kind of using it in that supplemental form. So if you can add movement, you know, this is walking, it's mostly walking, but definitely you can do all kinds of other things. If you can add that on top of your workouts, that can be a great thing because that's just getting your body better in shape, going to burn more calories, going to spend more energy, that can definitely support it. Um, as far as weight loss, you know, a lot of people have great results with intermittent fasting. I'd say look into doing that. You can also definitely support the body in being able to lose weight with a couple different herbs as well. Make sure your hormones are in check. All those things are going to help. Yeah, and uh, more energy for workout, Hercules. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Here's the cool thing about Hercules. Like, I know this is my personal opinion, as it's well as pretty much everyone that tries it. You just, when you take either Hercules 1 or 2, you just seem to have a lot more energy, and you can do quite a bit more work. So you can do a lot more uh, volume. So really with weight loss, it's about moving your body, specifically using more muscle mass, so using big compound exercises, that sort of thing. Uh, and just doing more and more of it, that's going to trigger your body to lose the weight. That's, in general, like the direction you want to go. So 
use more muscle mass, do more of it. And Hercules can be a great thing to support you in being able to do exactly that. Oh, wouldn't my best suggestion for weight loss is take copious amounts of shilajit and hike eight to ten hours every other weekend. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty good point. Great for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that was on top of all the normal training, but it right. I never lost weight so fast in my life, especially fat. All right, let's go to the next question. How long will herbs maintain potency and stay fresh once the bag is open? Do they have to all used up within a certain time period? The reason I ask because I haven't seen an expiration date on any of the bags. Yeah, so the general expiration date would be uh, two years from the the bag being open. Uh, and here's the thing with the herbs. Over time, yes, potency does generally go down a bit. There, there really is no, like, cutoff, like, you know, <laughs> if, uh, 700 days in, it's good, but, you know, uh, 900 days, it's no good anymore. So it, it's, it's kind of a, the fresher it is, and generally the better, but it will lose some potency over time. But it's not just about when you open the bag. So any sort of light, air, or heat, in general, is going to degrade the herbs. So that's the reason we put them in the black bags. That's going to block out the light. Uh, and, you know, make sure you seal your bags. That's going to be an important part uh, because if air is getting in there, it can help to oxidize them. That's one thing we notice, especially with the Tomcat Ali. Um, if it gets oxidized, too much air gets in there, and it can uh, clump up, turn into, like, little rocks or stones. It doesn't seem to have quite the same effectiveness uh, once that has happened. So it really does depend on these other factors. And, of course, different sorts of herbs can have uh, different lengths of your shelf life. Uh, tinctures, for instance, can last, you know, I've, I've heard a couple different numbers, about seven years. Uh, the reason they're generally in dark or cobalt glass is because uh, that's going to uh, reflect some of the light out uh, as opposed to clear glass, so the light's not getting in there and helping to lose potency. So in general, a couple years, but it depends on if you're allowing any light, air, or heat getting in there. So the best bet, if you want to get the most bang for your bucks out of your herbs, honestly, is to put them in a light filtering container, not keep them in the bags where they might not be completely sealed or, you know, I get asked this all the time, and yes, we do put our herbs in other containers. Um, so it depends how long they last, and their potency depends on how well you keep them, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, moving on. How much of each herb is in the Phoenix formula? Um, when we originally created Phoenix formula, uh, which has four herbs, pine pollen, Hoshuwu, Shilajit, and Ant. We just really liked every one of those herbs, so we put equal amounts of that in there. Uh, since then, we've tweaked the formula a little bit. So if you're trying to do it yourself, you know, this is going against, like, standard formula, formulating rules and principles and everything, but you know what? It works, so <laughs> there's something to be said for that, too. Uh, since then, uh, one, we upgraded our shillages, so we had a higher quality thing, didn't need to use quite as much of it. 
So uh, we lowered the amount of silage and increased the amount of pine pollen. If I'm correct in this, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it's 35% pine pollen, 15% silage, and then 25% each of the ant and hoshulu. Is that right, class? Yes, that is correct. Oh, good. I'm glad I knew that. <laughs> so that is what we have. I mean, a lot of companies sort of hide behind proprietary blends and just saying, but, you know, there's our formula right there. So certainly you can buy each one of those herbs individually from us or even from other people if you wanted, and you can put together your own Phoenix formula. I would love to see some people, like, some pictures of people making their own versions of our formula. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's you know cool what's thing cool here, about I mean, that is they could tweak it to, you know, what yeah. works best for them. Yeah. You know? Add an ingredient, take one away. I mean, really, that's kind of how we got started with formulas, just playing around with it. And definitely, as you're taking herbs, we always encourage self-experimentation. So, yeah, certainly putting together your formulas could be uh added part of that. Yes. How that? Next question. How do I know what herbs are right for me? I want to have better sex life at 52 years old and none of the pills work. I have signs of ED. Well, we just did well, a podcast on where to start last week, so yeah. maybe you should listen yeah. to that. <laughs> that was a cool so, one. Yeah. Here, here's the thing. We do have a lot of information on the site between the podcast, the articles, and then uh, the product pages for the different herbs. Uh, go on there and find something, you know, look around. If something calls to you, I would definitely give that one a shot. Uh, if you're looking specifically for benefits with sex, then, um, well, we're going to have even more information on that, but we definitely have had some in the past. And here's the thing for really sexual performance, there are a couple different factors. So one, definitely the hormones need to be there. So uh, look at pine pollen and tomcat, but there's uh, other issues as well. So the uh, the blood flow, nitric oxide, the PDE5 uh, enzyme. You got to work with all those things. And here's the thing: so each different person, he, he mentioned the pills aren't working for him. So uh, that's the thing with those pills. You know, they're pharmaceutical drugs, but even they don't work for everyone. So if those aren't working, then you, you're really going to have to play with some other stuff. That's one thing with, uh, let's say, if it was Viagra, uh, if your hormones are in the toilet you don't have anything, like even that won't work. So if you can restore that, then um, then that may be the issue for you. But for another person, it could be another issue. So once again, go to our website. You can use the search function and everything. Find what works uh, or find some ideas. Then look at what calls out to you and give that a shot. Then if that works, great. Move forward. If it doesn't, try something else. I would just say fine, Paul. Start there. Um, yeah. Do you think that's uh, good enough for this episode? Yep, that should be good. Okay. I had one more question though. Um, we got, uh, you know, that last one about what's coming up on the future menu, mm-hmm. herb-wise, uh, and kind of pertains to this last question. Would be uh, your next formula that we're testing, right? Well, we are testing Thor's hammer, which has to do with this last man's question, exactly like you just said. 
So the idea with that is that, uh, and we've talked about this in some past podcasts, but uh, uh, it's working for that testosterone. It's working for the nitric oxide and blood flow. It's working on that enzyme that can cause things to go away. Uh, and it's working on the dopamine, which is another important aspect is that kind of drives the desire. So that's a Thor's hammer, the sexual potency formula that is currently being tested. I like what we uh, posted on Instagram the other day, uh, which you guys can follow if you're not doing it, instagram.com slash supermanherbs. But uh, we don't test on animals. We test on athletes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we send a bunch of our things to some of our sponsored athletes, and that's kind of our, you know, besides ourselves personally, our sort of initial round of testing. So that's that's going through right now, and depending on results, may need to tweak some things, but that should be coming pretty soon. And then we also have our woman's formula that is getting closer to completion. Oh, yes, a new woman's formulation. Yeah. I will be coming out. So those are our next two formulas. Yes. And as well as uh, watch out for that new resin that's about to oh, yeah. come out. Actually, that will be out by the time this gets released. So make sure oh. you've tried that. <laughs> yeah. Radio, yeah. All right, Logan. Well, I'll see you on the next one. All right. Excellent.